Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. Hello and welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Today, I am excited to have Drew with us. Uh, he is an inspirational guy and, you know, I look up to him, what he has achieved. And, and I know how busy he is. He only does very limited number of podcasts or interviews in a year and he's chosen me this year. So I am honored to have you, Drew. Um, so, Drew, there are not that many dentists who don't know you, but people who don't know you, could you please introduce yourself so we know who Drew Shah is? Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me first. It's it's you know what it's uh, it's an honor. It's my honor to be your guest. Actually, um, you're you're a man with many talents and uh, humility to match that. So it's always nice to speak along that, Devang. Uh, so thank you for inviting me. Um, how do I introduce myself? Um, I, I think it's simple. One word. I like to call myself a supercharger, and uh, maybe that's what I do. That's what I like enjoy doing. You know. Um, supercharging people, inspiring, motivating and, and energizing people to love what they do. Because, uh, you know, I'd love it when people jump out of bed, looking forward to the day ahead out of um, energy. Uh, how does that translate to the practical world? I am a periodontist in practice, which is now between six and eight days a month, which is about one and a half to two days a week. Um, and a lot of my other time is now pretty much spent on the project I started 13 years ago, Dentinal Tubules, uh, which is both education, inspiration, energization for dentistry and the Tubules Foundation, which is about creating the inspired energetic leaders of the future um, by building schools around the world. Yeah. And in that nutshell is probably where my life rotates. Yeah, I mean, look, I want to talk a lot about dental tubes. It's, it's for me, uh, that's how I got to know you, really. Um, and, you know, when I start, so I started subscribing yeah. to dental tubules and saw the value and, you know, I reached out to you uh, many years ago, actually. Um, so before we go there, let's start from the beginning, very beginning. Um, why did you decide to do dentistry or... Did you just fell into it like myself? I mean, I, I didn't, I, I, you know, I have any kids right right now who are like, I had someone doing work experience who is 13 year old. I mean, I didn't even have a clue what I wanted to do when I was 13 year old, but I don't know, you might be an exception. Uh, so tell me, how did you decide to do dentistry? No, actually, do you know what? My, my dream was probably somewhere along airlines <laughs> when I was a 13 year old, I think. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to be a, a, pi a pilot or an aeronautical engineer. But uh, the biggest uh, influence for me when it comes to uh, medical was a biology teacher. He, he was actually very inspiring. He created a zest for med medical subjects mm -hmm. for so many of us. And um, this was during A-levels. And he was just a very, very, very inspiring, energizing character. You look forward to his biology classes. And that's where the love for, for medical came along. Now, you know, the other part of me is a people person. Um, I like serving people. Perhaps that's the best way. I'm not a people person to go into parties or, or be the loudest, you know, voice in the, in the tune. But I am the kind of person who loves serving people. So when someone inspires you for the love of medicine and you know you want to serve people, the um, you know natural path for that is medicine. And actually, I'm not a failed medic, but that was my intention, to be a doctor. And um, at 18 years old, when you're that young, actually, you still don't know what you want fully. And you are swayed and directed and influenced and all sorts by different people. And I was hugely influenced by many people to say, don't do medicine because it's a long, long career and you may be better off uh, doing something like dentistry. Now, their reasons for pushing me towards dentistry was, you know, largely about the financial aspect. And many people say it's a, it's a comfortable income. In fact, it is. And, and it's a great lifestyle. But that's how I ended up into dentistry. Um, you know, it was a certain way of saying I can do medicine with a certain career lifestyle. At the age of 18, that was perhaps a, a good enough uh, direction to go towards. And it's, it's you know what, looking back at it, I would probably say I'm a different person now. I'm an evolved person. 
but it's been a cool journey. It's yeah, totally I mean, so I, I, I mean, I resonate. I mean, I come from a family where everyone's doctor. So I have my uncle, my, my father was a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. My brother's doctor. <laughs> uh, my uncle's gynecologist. And, you know, I saw all of them doing, you know, late hours or emergency calls and midnight calls and all that stuff. And um, that's one thing I didn't really fancy. And they all told me that, oh, go to dentistry. It's a nine to five job. You come home and there's no, you know, no issues. And to be honest, I'm working still 24 hours a day so, because, you know, you come, you do dentistry, you come home and you're doing treatment planning. You, I'm, I'm writing lectures, I'm recording something. So, you know, it's, but it's a different type of work. You know, once you come out of dentistry, it's a different type of work. Whereas medicine uh, in some, some fields, it never stops, does it? So um, that was actually my. No, no I think there's, 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 this is an interesting one you talk about because medicine and dentistry, when you talk about medicine, actually, we're looking at two bits. We're looking at the physician type of medicine and we're looking at the surgical type of medicine, right? One of them is uh, yeah. using a lot of your hand skills, the surgery type, and the physician type is using a lot of your, yeah. uh, I suppose, detective skills, right? Trying to get tests and data together. And if you then come and see dentistry, both. dentistry actually brings together both of those because partially you are a physician and partially you're a surgeon, and, and, and I suppose partially you're an engineer. So um, you, you get the best of yeah, all the world. So let's say uh, um, once you entered into dentistry, how did you find your undergraduate years when you, when you, when you did your dentistry? Yeah, did you know what? Dental school was, was okay. It was interesting. I, I, was, um, I struggled, in all honesty. Uh, and there were two elements here. And one of the stories I've, I've supposed said to a lot of people, I came here as an international student and uh, I was paying international fees. At that point, it was 20 oh, wow. grand a year or something like that. But when I was in my third year, um, my, my family basically ran out of money and they, they couldn't fund my education. So the, the stark choice or the hard choice was I had to, to pack my bags and go back was, was what was in front of me. But being the person I am, I, I refused to do that. I said, look, we've got to find a way. Um, and I pretty much, I was in dental school during the day and at night times I would be, you know, working in burger bars or shoe shops or chocolate drops or flyer drops or whatever, you name it, um, to, to put, you know, meat ends together. And I mean, there were days when I, all I lived off was, uh, Maryland oh, double wow. chocolate chip cookies. You know, there was a news agent who, uh, he would sell four packets, four extra large packets to me for a pound. And that would be my diet for a week. I would guess, you know, a little bit for breakfast a little bit for lunch, so on and so forth. So, so, so as dental school, you know, there were days when I would have eaten biscuits only all day, come home at midnight after my long shifts at work and sit down and, and then study till early hours of the morning and then uh, get up again in round two and do it again. So that was one part of it. And the other part I struggled, and I have to be honest, it took me a long time to just be grasping those uh, dexterity skills because... Um, I'd grown up in an educational system that was very intellectual, but it was very regurgitatory, you know, an education system mm -hmm. that tells you to learn this yes. so you can pass your exams. But when it comes to dentistry, actually, yeah. the real thought process about it is you can learn anything, but actually applying it into patients, you've got to be able to think outside the box, think laterally, think contextually. And I struggled with that initially. I um, you know, I was scoring high percentage marks in all the exams but when it came to practical exams it, it, it was uh, not the easiest bit but between all of those challenges I did qualify as a dentist so all those uh, foodless days and everything did get me through and um, I, over the years I've built those skills further and further I think the more you do about the practical stuff the more you apply yourself the more you spend time doing yeah. things you just get better um I remember when I was in dental school, when it comes to Christmas holidays or summer holidays, people go off to their respective homes. And I used to be in Sheffield, which is where I did my undergraduate education, because I was still working in those burger bars and shoe shops, even in the holidays. But away from the work shifts, for example, one in the mornings when I don't have a work shift, sitting at home was not the useful thing to do. So I would walk into the emergency unit of the dental school and they'd go, you're meant to be on holiday. What are you doing here? I'd be the only person, only student on clinic, and they'd give me some of those extraction cases or extirpation cases. And you develop your skills that way. You you, you go the extra mile. And uh, it was it was definitely a growing up journey for me. I had dental school, to say the least, both professionally is, and personally. Uh, 
the reason or your roots of being entrepreneur because obviously you are very successful and you you think literally you think business you th- you're not just a dentist are you because you have your own and we go through that dental tubal journey but you have that do you think that has any part to play uh possibly i mean i, I don't know if I, if i'm an entrepreneur i tell you what i am is a is a is a creative person and and i'd rather I always rather say, and as my dad says, he, he my dad, there's a word in, in, in our language you might understand. It's called yes. undo, um, which means you think opposite. the opposite way everyone yes. else thinks. And, and and my dad always said that since I was a kid. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm a creative disruptor. So if somebody tells me something, I always think, how do I uh, disrupt this? How do I think the other way? How do I think opposite? How do I, you know, if I never follow the norm. I've got a habit of doing that, which is, sometimes useful and sometimes absolutely pointlessly <laughs> useless but it works and i've had those roots from a kid um i <laughs> i tell you in school right when uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles yes. were very popular in in the uk and i grew up in kenya and the teenage mutant ninja turtles came there they were very popular and somebody from the uk some family bought me a coloring book so what i did i went to the shops uh, did a large, you know, expanded photocopy size of these coloring books, spent the weekend painting all these uh, turtles, and on Monday went to school <laughs> and sold them as posters. Um, so I, I was <laughs> thinking things like that. I know we had a, we used to live in a block of flats and um, we had a garden. I converted half the gar- garden into a little plantation, growing little beans and silly plants, and then start charging my neighbors to have a tour <laughs> of my garden. So I think part of me has always thought about it you know, disruptive creation. And and what I like about the creative process is that you're always thinking what's a better way to do yeah. what we are doing. What's I, I never say efficient. For me as an entrepreneur, if that's the right word, is using creativity for the greater good. That's what I enjoy doing. And, uh, you're doing a great job, to be honest. Uh, and um so this creativity let's say when when you finish your uh, graduation what were your th- thought process because i mean what made you decide how did you find your first job um what was your thinking that okay i finished dentistry did you have any clear pathway did you talk to anyone and did you decide what you want to do yeah well uh, to be honest with you i'll tell you the the situation was that I graduated, but I was still a foreign ah. uh, national in the UK in, from Kenya. And the rules at that point were that if you're a foreign national, you cannot apply for VT unless you pay them oh, wow. £60,000 or something like that. Uh, otherwise, you have to pack your bags and go back to mm. the country you had come from. And, and that was the, the immigration rules. Now, at that point, um, there was a huge shortage of dentists around certain parts of the country, pretty much like now, where patients cannot access an NHS dentist. And one of those areas was Wales. And somebody alerted me to it. So I went to meet the the dean of of Wales, the the, the dental dean, and said, you've got a problem. You've got a problem of jobs. And uh, I've I've got a problem of finding a job. So let's sort this out. So actually, um, there was a group of us, about five or six of us, who were the first people to get Welsh parliamentary approval to do uh, VT, as it was called at that time. And when he came along, the dean sort of said, called us up and said, uh, you you know, a couple of things, you, you've got the approval, but there are certain mm-hmm. conditions. And I said, what are they? So I was told that the first condition is that you must stay in your VT place for two years. And the second condition is that you must show evidence of postgraduate education. And so I said, okay, yeah, I'll do both. I'll stay for two years, yeah. even better for me. And I will do postgrad education, but you'll okay. pay for it. So I ended up in a little town, uh, Welshpool, beautiful place, Welshpool, wonderful mm-hmm. in the middle of Wales. And it was a massive practice servicing a very large area. The practice had something like 50,000 patients wow. on the list at that point. We were eight surgeries, in-house lab. And I will say that was the best experience of my life, again, personally and professionally, because you had to do everything. You did not have access to referral services easily or access to, uh, you know, other sort of things. So I remember in the first few weeks of my VT, straight out of dental school, oh, and wow. I was doing impacted wisdom teeth. And I had a trainer who was very, very good. He he was just very patient. His name was Matthew Neal, and I think he might have retired now, but 
just absolutely brilliant. And he was a, he was a deaf pair of hands, very good pair of hands. And he increased my and and because you were doing sort of surgery there, he really increased my zest for the surgical side of dentistry from then. Wellspool was brilliant because patients knew you. There was so much more understanding. And as a result, you ended up just doing a wide variety of things, going depth. Uh, if you if you kind of made errors, which we all do as humans, patients were very understanding. And we developed great relationships. Yeah, I stayed there for three years and, and I was very sad to leave, actually. Mentoring is a huge part, it plays a huge part in your progress, isn't it? I mean, how early on you get mentoring, I've seen um, people who got really good mentors from the beginning of their career. Their career progressed quite rapidly. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I and, you know, envy those people because for four, six years, I had no one, you know, I was just literally head down working in a room, uh, not much communication, you know, and uh, maybe I didn't reach out uh, to people and that's my fault. But um, now whoever's graduated and started their journey, the first thing I tell them is find mentored, forget about money, find a practice where you get really good mentoring because that will then set you for life. And that will progress your career ten years. Correct, and I mean you. You know you do some you do some mentoring, yes. don't you? And uh, and you know um, it's it's pros and cons. And also from the side, you've been a mentee, yes. you've been a mentor, yes. you've done both of them, um, and and so you know the 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 challenges that come with it, the uh, all the bits that come to it. But there's something to add there, isn't it, Devang? That it's not just being a mentor; it's actually being um, that aspirational person, because you're not just mentoring a mentee, you're not just guiding them. At some level, you are encouraging them, aspiring them, inspiring them to achieve more than they feel is, yeah. uh, is, you, is I their think potential. the way I look at it is, for me, kind of seeing is believing in that sense. So if someone shows me, even in my head, yeah. that it's possible, I can achieve yeah. it. And sometimes people say, well, why are you comparing with others? I'm saying, I'm yes. not comparing. If you're comparing with someone else, you get depressed sometimes. Like if you see someone else is more ex you know, successful than you, then you get depressed. I see successful people as if, if they can achieve it, I can achieve it. So if someone's, you know, being really successful, yeah. I want to, and this is the reason of this whole podcast and capturing people's success stories, because I want pe other people to know that, you know, it is achievable. Everyone starts with humble beginning. You know, most of us have started with humble beginning. Uh, you know, I had to pass my overseas examination, came to UK and, you know, I got, pay I had, I got paid at that time almost one third of UDA rates than anyone else got paid. Uh, but I thought it was good money, right? Because, it, you know, you convert into, you know, you convert, do the conversion and then, oh, that's a good money. Um, but, you know, I, I, I worked and I worked hard and I did that. So, Everyone has to put in effort, but I think mentoring, in my opinion, yes, it, it just speeds up the process. Well, I think you, you get someone who uh, um, almost tells you their experiences and, and you, you yeah. learn from the mistakes they've made. Do you know that that's so important? They've made it. That's the quickest way to learn. And I tell everyone that learn from others' mistakes, because if you're trying to learn from your own mistakes, life is too short for that. You know, you, you'll have to make so many mistakes to learn. Yes. Uh, so it's a much more painful way to learn uh, rather than learning from someone else's mistakes. It's much, much better. <laughs> it's so and if that person's telling you that I made this mistake and don't do this, that you know, do it this way so that you don't. So it's even better. And that's what mentor's job is, isn't it? Mentor is not, they are not perfect. I'm not perfect. I tell all of the, my mentees that I'm not perfect. I'm, I'll tell you I made this mistake and I've done this and it works. Uh, you know, I'm still learning. And that's why we call ourselves practitioners. We always practice dentistry. Yes. We never perfect. Um, so, you know, it's 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 really important. Um, coming back to your your uh, post-graduation. So when they told you that you need to do post-graduation, is that specialization or just no, it was, it was basically uh, doing at that point the royal something like the royal college exams you know the mfgdp mfds something along those lines so evidence that as a dentist you're going to continue studying at some level to develop yourself uh, ultimately it was cpd they wanted to do um what i ended up doing was at that point the it was called the mfgdp uh exams which is what i did part one and two 
Um, and it was very practical. I mean, I'm, I'm a learner. And when I stayed in Welshpool, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I was spending time studying dentistry. The home was five minutes from the practice. So I'd come home in the oh, evenings. Wow, I'd go running. I was doing 18 miles a day. And, and then in the evening, I would be studying languages and computer programming. Uh, so it, it is, it's, it's, it's amazing because it's, it's what you do with your time and how you use your time wisely. So the learning was great yeah. in terms of that. The MHGDP was very useful, not just for the clinical aspects of, of the learning and education. The other thing the MFGDP did, which was very, very useful, was um, just get a grasp and understanding of the regulatory framework, the systems, the structures that run dental practices at that point, which is now obviously more Mm-hmm. Uh, onerous, I suppose, but that, that that makes sense. And you actually end up in the real world because remember, dental school teaches us ideal dentistry and then there's real world dentistry, right? Um, yeah. You, you have to learn how yes. to adapt, to be flexible, to be able to, you know, use the knowledge and skills you have to the situation you're in. And that, that was very useful. And, and how did you come about doing specialization? So um, it, just a joy of learning. That introduction mm-hmm. in Welsh Pool of Surgery was always already directing me towards what I enjoyed in dentistry. Uh, you know, if you ask me to do a crown prep, I'll say, go and see the Vang. If you ask me to do composites, I'll say, go and see anybody <laughs> else, but not me. Because I can, I've got an innate skill of making an incisor look like a premolar, but not a premolar look like an incisor. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so anyway, the surgical bits were coming. So then I came to London and I did uh, a year's SHO in restorative at the Royal London Hospital. And, and I suppose that was one of the best experiences um, we had. The consultants were just phenomenal um, in every way. And when I say phenomenal, they were obviously very skilled and knowledgeable, but also they were willing to give their time, their energy, their effort. Um, you know, credit to Lochna, Lochna Robertson, Lochna Nanyakara at that time, but Lochna is a consultant there. And she actually sat with me and assisted me at that point. I said to her, I'm, I'm struggling with crown preps. And she said, and yeah, just watched me do the crown preps and told me how to change them. I mean, that's to me, that's gold, right? Until today, that's very <laughs> useful things I learned yeah. there that I can apply. And then I went and did uh, MaxFax SHO. And then I was a staff grade in hospital doing surgical. So I kind of caught the wide range of experiences. So I didn't actually jump into specialty training until five years after graduation. I, it was 2008 when I did started specialty training. But I sort of by then realized that... Um, I wanted I want to do something that's surgically oriented, um, but there was something else, and I suppose that perio felt right. But something else that I, I I didn't quite clearly gain until very recently. One of the things I told you at the start of this talk is I'm supercharger, but actually beyond that supercharger, on a serious note, I got a much greater awareness of who I am, and I I like behavior change. I like doing those sort of things that just change people's behavior. The rest of the industry has a lot of technical aspects to it, but Perio is that physician's part of dentistry, that uh, behavior change. And, and and now I enjoy it because I like the surgical side when I have to do surgical perio, but I, I really thrive on the behavior, behavior change side. And actually, that is uh, a huge, huge part of your practice, isn't it? And that's the reason I personally didn't go for perio because it needs you need to involve patient a lot. Yes. Yeah. You you do everything you can in the room, but if they go back and they don't clean their teeth properly the way you instructed them, then all your hard work is gone, right? Yeah. So for me, um, what I do, you know, it's more of a control over me, my control. Of course, they are parafunctions or bruxes. Obviously, I warned them, but you know, still, I'm I feel more more or less in control. Whereas for perio. I mean, you are giving them control, aren't you? When you when you let them go with you know toothbrush and a floss and a PTP brushes, you don't know whether they're using it properly or not, or whether they're using it at all. No, I think there are ways you can work around that. But the big thing about of this course. is the very fact that you you um, try to master, and I said try to master because you never master anything, but you become very uh, proficient at the art of influence and communication, and. Actually, you know, to supercharge anybody, you've got to be good at that. And the other thing is most of dentistry is technical because of the control you have. Techniques change things. But here it's behavioral. Mm. Behavioral isn't a technique. It's not a method. It's a repeated, you know, habit change. That isn't easy. And 
the fact that not a lot of people like doing it and I enjoy it is brilliant. The other side to it is to change someone's behavior. One, you have to listen to them. Two, you have to talk to them. In essence, it's a conversation all day long. And if you speak to anybody, they'll say Drew just loves chatting crap all day long. So actually, <laughs> it's not just what I love. It's actually the fact that I am my natural self in all of this. You know, I am I am who I am authentically, uh, which actually is, is, is very useful because that, that authenticity makes such a big difference. And going back, coming back to that, you know, I was talking to one of my mentee and uh, I was telling her that, you know, I'm at the uh, point in my career where if patients sitting, like when I was early in my career, when patients sitting in front of me, mm-hmm. I was sort of anticipating what treatment they're going to need. And I was kind, kind of getting ex- anxious because some of the treatment I couldn't do or some of the treatment I'm not comfortable with. And, you know, that was my anxiety mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning uh, when I was I started doing dentistry, like, you know, first year and patient comes for emergency and they're oh, please no root canal in molar, please. I don't <laughs> want root canal. So, you know, that kind of thing. Now, when you reach that level where I almost pretty much can do everything in dentistry, my main challenge now is is communication with patients, managing patients, managing other human beings. And, you know, and that's that becomes the next that becomes the next challenge, basically, because I can pretty much do everything. But is it right for that patient? Is patient going to appreciate it? Because we both know that you put in hard work and if patient doesn't appreciate that, it just sucks the joy out of it. You know, yeah. you really, you, you don't want to do, I don't want to do the treatment purely for money. Um, you know, I want patient to be happy after they, whatever I do treatment. So managing patient becomes uh, a, a key criteria. Yeah. Um, and at the moment I'm at that stage where, you know, I, I, I look at that patient, I see whether I want to treat that patient or whether that patient is uh, want to tr- get treated by me and that's the first criteria I decide to um, because the, the more bigger the cases you do uh, the more you realize that that aspect is so important everything else is fine because you know it's just dentistry you know it's fine yeah it's just teeth but something with with, with the human being uh, that something is very difficult to change so you need to be very careful as to who you select um, and that's what, where I am at. Um, you know, I guess is, you are um, quite you far away. Work around this is, and this is all of us. And every, I think there's, you know, there's kind of uh, scientific data behind this as well. And what we have to work around is when something is new to you, when a task is either new or it's challenging, you think in terms of of what do I do, or 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 what I say is mm-hmm. how do I do it. You know, and anyone who's a who's a starter, who's a beginner. They think in terms of what are the steps to do. They're focused on the zone of trying to perfect their dentistry. So once you've thought about how do I do this, you and you get a few things. So how do I do a crown prep? How do I do a composite? You move next into what the subject is. Because you understand all the what subjects, you suddenly get a wider context. You may not do all the things, but you get a wider context of where your treatments fit in in the wider subject of dentistry, which improves your treatment planning. And as you get a wider context of the subjects, you sort of think of the subject of dentistry, you suddenly ask yourself, actually, why am I doing this? And that's when you start realizing, okay, I need to now build my understanding with the patients because your why means you're now understanding the fact that this patient, it fits in. This patient, it doesn't fit in. And actually, that progression of stages is what all of us go through you know when if you took me back 15 20 years all this thinking wasn't there because i was really focused on the procedure and what you talk about the stress of the procedure but later as the procedures came you could connect the dots you could connect where an endo meets a crown prep where a crown prep meets a crown lengthening now you connect the dots you're thinking actually why am i connecting these dots who am i connecting this for who are the patients what's the rapport what's the story what's the long term that is a progression development. And people trying to run before they can walk, you know, people thinking in two years I'll yeah. be doing complex work, I'll tell them, just slow down. Life's too short and all these processes take a while. You need time to understand, to develop these concepts in your head and then move the next stages up, you know. Um, I, I suppose 
age age bring this wisdom to us <laughs> that's what <laughs> <might be. laughs> i think so <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to admit it but yes <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and it's part, it's part so and I'm I'm glad that I'm not the only one thinking that way, right? Because um, I was exactly the same initially, concentrating on the procedure, 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 very procedure and technical, technique driven. Uh, how to do this case? I never looked at patient, unfortunately, as a, like a human being. Uh, you know, yes, I treated them as with respect and you know all that, but it's completely different now. When I'm talking, I'm doing consultation. I'm really assessing patient as a human being rather than what kind of treatment they need yes um and it's it's really important um and i wish that i st- started doing that sooner so i become probably more better at and that aspect because that is one important aspect we don't get taught uh, at university and 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 there is no formal even teaching like post-graduation teaching on that like there is no teaching on on human behavioral aspect uh, when it comes to doing dentistry. But then um, I think part of this is also uh, interesting in the sense that I was talking to someone about this because people say they don't teach you business at dental school. They don't teach you human behavior stuff at dental school. And, you know, five-year degree is probably enough for us to understand the technical aspects of dentistry. Psychology is another three-year degree and, and then business is another three-year degree. And I think what people do need to realize, understand, and, and this is what we've probably done either through our experience or through our learning, is that we have employed those additional skills um, within our remit. Now, I find this very often in dentistry that we learn the clinical dentistry, yes. Now to learn the other sides of the, the dental um, sphere, we tend to go and listen to other dentists. And sometimes we just need to get out of our industry and go to other industries to pick things up. And the more things you pick up, um, you'll get better at things. And and I always wonder when someone says, I don't have time to watch videos or study. I only go on courses. I sit there and think, there's oh. so much to learn every day in life. How can you say you don't have time? It should be the other way around. I don't find the time to learn as much as I want to. As it is. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people that, you know what? You always have time for things yeah. you want to do. There's always yes. time. There is always time. If someone tells me they're busy, they're busy for me. <laughs> I'm yes. sure they have time. It's just that they're busy f- for me. Um, and this is, this is you know, I always put that into perspective that, you know, if I am doing something, I never say to anyone that I don't have time because yes. it's, it's wrong. I always find time. You, you, you find time to eat. You find time to drink, uh, you know, um, because you want to drink water or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, so it's, it's um, I, I'm a strong believer that we always have time. It's just priorities are, are a little bit different. Now, I was just going to say time, you know, people talk about time management. You can't, you can't manage time. Time walks along um, and, and it's using your time to, to, to the best of optimal use really yeah 100 percent. so um, let's come to my favorite topic dentinal tubules i mean can you please share <laughs> us your journey uh, i know you've gone through a lot of struggle and you know um and this is your really passion project i know you never really it wasn't um financial driven project i know that so could you could you t- just give us a a story on how this started what did you think about i mean what were you what were your thought process when you started this and you know if you can just tell us the journey that would be great yeah well i I suppose um you know my i I gave you my experiences of the undergraduate education and how i i went days without food or whatever to, to do the work but one of my big visions always became education to the world and um, I always, you know, I said nobody in the world should ever go through what I went to. And somehow we should create opportunities for people because education knowledge is a powerful tool that will enhance somebody's life. Now, I, I obviously did all my jobs and got into specialty training in 2008. Back of my head, there was something else away from education to the world. I always uh, I just wanted to own a website. I just don't know. I always wanted to own a website. Um, and in those five years, pre-specialty training, um, I was also a semi-pro wildlife photographer. So I used to go back home to Kenya and do wildlife photography. And I love that aspect. And, and actually, I was working with a group of um, colleagues and we were thinking of building a website 
that, uh, you know, about the tourism in Kenya, but it didn't work out. So somehow, nigglingly, I always wanted a website. Now, that was there. I wanted a website, I wanted education to the world. You know, there's, I, I'll do it at some point. Now, when I got into specialty training in the first year, it's amazing because I was at King's College, Guy's Hospital, some of the best educators in the country um, or in the world, perhaps. But here's the thing. I was a disruptor. And trying to learn from them completely took the inspiration out of me. It took the juice out of me because it was so systematic. It was so institutionalized. You put a full stop where a full stop should be kind of thing. I said, forget this. I'm going to leave dentistry and I'm going to do something else. Oh. And it started with dental tubules. I thought, look, if I'm going to do education to the world, if I'm going to do a website, I should be doing it in the industry I work in, the the, the market I work in, the people I work with. And uh, I started dental tubules. Now, those first few years, I started dental tubules, but it connected me to some of the greatest and most enthusiastic dentists around the world. You know, it was a forum. We just started as a forum. Mm. And that brought back my zest, my positivity, my energy for dentistry. I, it brought back my love, my passion, whatever you want to call it. And so I was doing my clean dent. I was doing, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of invested all my savings into dental tubules. I'd borrowed money, whatever. I was working in practice, paying for my bills and paying these loans off and everything else. Um, and for those who understand, I just got married as well. And at that point, I was <laughs> sleeping two hours a night while doing all of this and uh, just built tubules from there. It was a project of evolution. For the first eight years, I pretty much worked on it myself, um, investing everything I have in it, my time, my money. There was a point when I was working six days a week in dentistry clinically. I used to fly to Belfast, fly back to London. I was doing clinical work, and at night I would be doing tubules work. Um, it was it was a pure labor of love. I just loved it. We started with a forum, evolved the website into video library, started filming lots of videos. Um, people were not convinced about giving us their talks, and we had to uh, throw sponsorship money and say, please allow us. Some people realized the vision and said, I will help you. Uh, other people were saying, come and film our conference. Um, it was a real mix. And in 2018, um, about 2017, sorry, about uh, nine years after I'd started this, I figured I'd you know, run the end of my tether with, I had no other cash to invest. My time was becoming premium, all of this. So we got a bit of funding. I brought a team on board and I've always enjoyed what I do, but the real test the team came on board. We launched our first conference in 2017. We obviously, you know, did all the activities in India. We were trying to push things. We built a new platform. And we reached a point where after having invested my blood, my sweat, my tears for dentistry, I'd not, and all these years, by the way, I'd not earned a single penny. I didn't take a salary out of dentile tubules or anything. So I was doing all of this at the back of my time, you know, sometimes spending time away from family. And tubules was five days from closure. And that was about 2018, I think. And that's when I sat down at the yeah. table and I remember this story. I put it on YouTube somewhere, but I actually asked myself, you've been through all this blood, sweat, tears, you've cut your throat, you sacrifice your family, you know, would you do this again? You know, my sister was uh, um, uh, on a wheelchair. She had muscular dystrophy and she passed away in 2014. Uh, and that was a big inspiration for her. She Because she was on Sorry, a wheelchair yeah. and she had grown up with a lot of discrimination back home, but she always said, you know, it's not impossible. It's I am possible. And she did things. She did two degrees. And every time I would go and see her, but the last time I couldn't because she said, come and see my graduation. And I couldn't because I said, I have all my money tied up in tubules. I can't even get a flight ticket home. Um, and, and that's the kind of sacrifices I'd made. And in 2018, when we were five days from closure, I thought you lost your sister in 2014. You didn't see her. You've you know lost family time, sleepless nights. Would you do this again? And I answered that question to myself, said, anytime, I do it all over again. And there's this voice inside your head that says, what? Wow. After all that problem, after all of these issues, everything, you'd do it again. And I said, yeah. That's when I realized I was doing what I love. I was living my dream. And it wasn't about the money. I was existing to express what I do best for the greater good. That's tubules. I think that's why dental tubules is different. Because we can see your uh, you inside, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, you can see my spirit, I suppose. You know, my energy, my passion, what I stand for. Of course. And you're right, because Tubules, Tubules is not a website. Tubules is not an organization. Tubules is a way of life, is what I say. You know, if you're somebody who genuinely wants to be inspired and grow and develop day by day, who wants to, to learn to get better, at the same time, you genuinely want to uh, not just do it yourself. When you grow, you want others to grow with you because we grow together. Not, you know, we don't grow because just anyway. We grow for each other and because of each other. And you do that with humility. That's what Tubule stands for. Ultimately, it's it's a it's a way of living. So, uh, when you now Tubule's got, I think five thousand hours of videos. Is that correct? It's got fifty thousand, fifty one thousand members when 50. I checked last week. <laughs> No, videos, yeah. uh, hours of so videos. We are, we, oh, the hours, we're looking at about uh, somewhere in the region of 70,000 minutes of learning on the website. Um, and if you are going minutes. to convert those into hours, you're looking at about 1,100 hours of learning. Or if I was to put it another That's way to you, um, if you went to a conference, you went to a, a conference, you'd probably get about six hours of lectures, right? So... You're probably looking mm. at about 200 conferences within that ecosystem. And it's not just lectures. It's clinical yeah. videos. It's uh, soft skill videos, yeah. communication, team building, everything. It's a good platform for CPD as well, obviously, um, because it takes all the boxes. Um, so coming to that CPD, uh, how do you now that obviously you have pretty much every skills under the radar under your platform, how do you select who do you now record next? Uh, who do you involve in your, or who can enter your educational platform, if that makes sense, with the program? So do you have any criteria of selecting yeah. uh, programs? I think we are getting tighter and tighter with that. You know, um, I, I contacted you some weeks ago and we've done some recording, which uh, those of you listening in the summer of uh, 2022, this will be coming out. Those of you listening after summer is probably out on there. Now, what we do work with is a lot of user feedback because, uh, you know, we take all, well, to do CPD, you've got to do survey questions. And in those survey questions, you know, we always ask people what topics they want to learn. And because we get thousands of CPD feedback queries, we can take this back and uh, on that feedback, you know, work out what are the popular topics, what are the necessary topics. We have a huge community. There's discussions happening on the base about the, the things people want to learn. So we use that as well. And um, all of this put together is what enables us to first figure out the learning topics people want. We then develop and find out and look at who are the speakers. Sometimes the speakers will come through recommendation. Sometimes we will go and look for the speakers. And when we speak to the speakers, we will look at their CVs, their bios, their experience to understand that they are relevant to the topic, right? If I was a speaker talking about endo, I'd be pretty useless. They'd rather have me as a speaker for talking about perio because I'm a periodontist. And we do all of that. Then all of this goes through a quality assurance mechanism. Um, we have a quality assurance system that looks at so many criteria. You know, what, what's the experience? What's the feedback? What's the, there's so many questions. When all of that is done, that's when we invite the speakers, arrange a media filming date. Now, the other thing is we, we, we and I, it infuriates me when people call it webinars because we don't do webinars. 90% of the time, COVID, we had to, but otherwise we actually film most of the talks. We film them in a studio kind of setup because I believe it's not just the delivery of the PowerPoint slide that's education. To me, inspiring education is the delivery of the body language, the enthusiasm, the energy, the emotion of the speaker as well. And the speakers standing there with their slides, they're not just conveying knowledge, they're conveying a lot more. That's how you learn with most people. I think and beyond yes. talks, there are other ways and do, doing things along yes. those lines as well, interactivity, fun, etc. But that's the, that's the process of um, finding educators for the online side of the, the, the learning platform. From there, we see people who are engaging I mean, in the uh, Tubules community. We see the educators who are really uh, contributing and they, they go further with other stuff. So go on, you were going to say something. Sorry, I, I mean, I was going to say that, you know, I know how particular you and your team are because I've recorded uh, with you and I never, you know, I, I mean, I've recorded programs, I've recorded my courses and everything, but the, the length you guys go to, to, to make that recording perfect 
um, is just uh, out of this world. I mean, it's 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 like a movie uh, type of dedication, you know. Um, so you, uh, I can vouch for that. The you know when you say that you're not just recording uh, PowerPoint, um, you know, you're recording, you're capturing that person as if that person's really in the room um, with you, uh, giving you that yes. presentation. So. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that um, because I've I've uh, gone through that <laughs> motion. <laughs> and and you know, full uh, f- full credit to I mean, I, I know this is the podcast with me, but the full credit to Jemish Patel and his media team, to Iftikhar Khan who who does a lot of work, to Kala who's our ops lead. The team is just engaging. You know, they're they're engaged. They're particular. They. They do this. Yeah. I don't ask them to. They do it because they believe in the Tubules' mission, the Tubules' vision. It's everybody sees it not as a money-making business, but as a as, as something, as a project for the greater good, a project that is going to contribute to to the growth of humanity, to the growth of dentistry, um, and and we believe in that. So everyone believes in doing their best for that sort of approach. It's what we should be doing for our patients, and I bring it back into, you know, dentistry, and from dentistry I take it back to Tubules. And so, you know, you you are a busy man. You've gone through so much. Is there any time in your life where you felt burnt out? And if you did, how did you deal with that? I'm burnt out now, <laughs> you know, in a, in, in a nice way. <laughs> how are you I dealing with that? Had, uh, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, you know, and this is the thing, though. I've had um, a grand total of, and, and I didn't realize this, and I think... Uh, I might have told you uh, there that I've had a grand total of something like uh, 20 days holiday in the last four years. And um, and and, and uh, yeah. what we're trying to do is basically try to see how we approach that. Now, here's the thing, though, Devang, and you probably relate to this better than I can, is that it's not burnout. It's sometimes you feel knackered, yeah. which is different to burnout. And you must have time for rest and recovery. But actually, my work and what I do, energizes me it's if i ever feel tired this is going to sound silly but a lot of people walk away from work i walk into work because i walk back out of it feeling more refreshed and energized and in that i tap into the things that energize me because look i can go into work i'll do team training one day i'll be doing teaching the other day i'll be working in practice another day i'll be working with strategy the other day another time i'll be talking with finance right i'm juggling 300 balls when i feel knackered this is what i do I step back and go, I need to go into the type of work that's going to feed my energy. And, you know, I told you, I'm, I'm creative. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm someone who thinks outside the box or whatever. I will go into that creative zone. That's my holiday. And, uh, you know, at the moment, I'm developing certain concepts. Yeah, I so much relate yes, to that. I mean, uh, because you're like that. You're working for me, work is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, work is really not work. It's fun. Uh, I mean, I really enjoy what I do. I, I mean, it's a cliche and I feel privileged and I'm touching wood right now that I'm in a profession which I enjoy. And many times people see holidays as as an escape to something. And I feel that I don't really need to escape from anything. Yes, if I need rest, I'll sleep more. <laughs> I'll take breaks uh, if I feel tired or naked. Yeah, I'll, I'll take break. But... I don't need to yes. go anywhere um, to to do that, but obviously that argument doesn't work very well with wife and kids. So, so I think I, I do need to take some some forced yeah, breaks, um, but and 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 uh, you know you, you do take end up taking some break, and you know obviously I want to meet my family and everything, so it allows me to do that. But I could work seven days a week, twenty four seven, because for me it's not work, and um, and. I would argue that people cannot match uh, me because many times, you know, if if it's if you if you're having fun, it's different than when you're working, and you cannot match the enthusiasm, yes. the energy of someone who is having work, uh, than someone who is having fun. Because person who is having fun, he can go endless, like go on and on and on. Person who's just working, he or she might get tired, burnt out because enjoyment is sucked out of yeah. from the job and i'm not saying that 100% of what i do is fun you know there is we all know that we we have this procedures patients complicated patient complicated procedures and everything and it does stresses me out but you know on on the whole it's it's a, it's a it's a for me this is you know 
I enjoy doing. So yes, you, I can really relate to you when you said, you know, 20 days um, in five years. But yes, time, uh, um, rest is something yeah, and I think this yeah. goes a bit deeper as well into into human sort of thought processes, which I add as well. And 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 what this is, you know, I told you people think about the the how, and then they think about the what in a wider context, and then they think about the why, etc. But there is one thing which a, not a lot of people do, and that is not just reflecting on every experience they have. Reflecting is a bad word because of what the, you know we've had with CPD, but actually reflecting is a very good tool, <laughs> and. People who are switched on reflect on two things. They reflect on the experiences they've had. They also sit back and reflect on themselves, developing a, a very strong sense of self-awareness. As a result, they understand themselves better. So over the, the sort of how, what, why, the overlying factor in that is who, who am I? And when you enjoy your work, because it is a true expression of yourself. Now, going back to full circle, I told you, who am I? I'm a supercharger. Because that is a true expression of myself. I like to serve people. I like to switch on the, 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 the fire inside people's belly. That's a true expression of myself. So whenever I'm doing all my work, whatever I'm doing, I'm just being myself. And when I'm doing that, it energizes me. It powers me up. It makes me feel alive. It, makes me, it, it, brings, it brings me alive. That's what I enjoy. And uh, once you're alive and you're creating fireworks, uh, it's, it's a party every time. There's no longer work. Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree, and I think we both are blessed in, in that sense uh, that we both love uh, what we do. Um, so as we as I started from from you know the, this podcast that I am doing this podcast and I'm capturing people, uh, everyone's journey, so that other dentists can learn from their journey. So I would like to ask you one question, um, two questions. So number one is if you can tell me. If you had to do all over again, would you change anything? Of yeah. course, you won't change the fact that you're doing dental and tubules. Would you change the way you work, you did things? Do you know what? It's it's interesting. I asked myself this question the other day because I, I always, uh, you know, again, it goes to self-reflection. Now, no, I at one level, I wouldn't change anything because without having had that journey, those experiences, those mistakes, everything, of course. I wouldn't be who I am. Um but if there was one thing I would yes. add to it, and, and we've said this quite clearly, is, is I would have got a guide, a mentor. I would have probably uh, made less of the mistakes I made. And, 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 and finding a guide or a mentor is not easy, but find someone you want to become or aspire to be, contact those people. Find someone who, who you may, you know, you aspire to be, but is a long way away. You may need to take some steps find people who are on that journey. They can be your mentors. I think that's one of the things I would have done. Now, I'm the kind of guy who does things, sometimes makes the errors, learns from them, but life's sometimes just too short to be able to make all the mistakes in the world. You just can't, and sometimes it's better to to learn from other people's mistakes. I think that's that's one of the things I would have done. But otherwise, hey, listen, I have no regrets. I was, I was, you know, I'm a philosophical guy. I was brought here to do something and I have no regrets. I've enjoyed my journey. I enjoy my day each each time. Um, between family and uh, life, I think we've got to live every moment like it's our last and uh, make the most of it. And and the second question um, is that if someone's yeah. graduating now uh, recently, um, what kind of um, tips or advice would you give them um, as to deciding what to do with their career and how to progress with that career? I know it's a quite broad question because, you know, everyone, someone mm. might want to go into surgical field, someone might go into restorative field. But let's say someone's newly graduated and they come to you and, you know, ask for advice as to how, what are the fundamental things they need to keep in eye. And one thing you men mentioned really uh, clearly that having mentor, whatever field you choose, having mentor in that field, in my opinion, obviously, and as you said, in your opinion, is one of the biggest um, advantage you can have. Uh, is there any other um, tips uh, you would like to give to dentists who really want to emulate your success or uh, be successful in, in field of dentistry? 
Yeah, I think that you know, firstly, define your success. That's that's so important, right? Is is so important that if you don't know what success means, then it's different. Now, I'm not a I I. I will change that into saying don't succeed, flourish. Because succeed is a single point in time. Flourishing means that you're happy all the time. That's that's my definition of, of success per se. But once you've defined that success, remember, you can't get there overnight. And one of the biggest tips I tell people is growth happens in the small moments. You know, you want to get to the top of the staircase, you take one step and one step and one step and one step. And that's the key identifying what's the next one step you're going to take. When you take that next one step, reflect and think about what that step has brought. You know, that experience, what has it added to you? What have you added to the experience? And take the next step, take the next step. Life's a journey. You could plan for the next five years, be hit by a brick wall tomorrow and have a different journey. It's about taking those small steps and after every small step, reevaluating what's important to you. What do you value? Where do you want to go? And before you know it, you'll be taking those steps so fast that you'll actually get to your aspirational stage much quicker. Don't chase fame. Don't chase fortune. Those are the outcomes of the outcome, right? What do I mean? Our outcome is in dentistry, looking after patients, giving them the best care. That's your outcome. The outcome of the outcome is maybe getting an award or a, or a, or a prize or whatever for that best care. But when you make the outcome of your outcome the main thing, you forget what you came here to do. And therefore, focus on what you want to achieve for somebody else and just go in that journey with absolute humility, absolute perseverance, absolute dedication. Don't settle for anything less and just keep trying. On the way, through those small steps, you might make mistakes, you might falter, but before you know it, you'll be at the top of that staircase. That's that's a really great advice. And, you know, um, I wish someone would have given me the same advice when I started. But as you said, you know, I wish someone we are who me. we are because of yeah, exa- we are who we are because of our experiences. Right. So uh, in one way, I don't want to be yeah. um, uh, having a different experience because I might not be where I am because I may have a different experience. But yes, I would certainly would have um you know, would have benefited from this advice. Um, two more questions. The, the, one of them is about yeah. CPD. And I really uh, uh, liked your episode with Jazz's uh, podcast uh, where you were discussing about how to choose a course. Now, have you come up with any yeah. uh, really suggestion as to someone looking for a course? How would they, because, you know, I am guilty. You know, I, I listened to that your your podcast jazz's podcast and you know i'm guilty of recording testimonials on the day right and i think you know what i don't yeah. think it's the right way to do it because people are people are enthusiastic on that day and you know they have a pressure of saying good things about you you know i i you know um and 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 feedback forms yes we need to do that and I'm certainly going to incorporate that six monthly review in my uh, in my courses where I would. I mean, I am in touch with all the delegates even two years ago. I did courses. I'm in touch with them. But having that review two years on, six months on, a year on, it's so much important than on the day yeah. reviews. Um, and um, yes, recording videos, I understand because everyone's in the one place. So, you know, you have the videographer as well and you can record it. But I am more and more thinking, um, I mean, I'm in thought process that what's the point? Because people are going to say good things about you because you're, you're bloody there, you know? <laughs> so, um, but can you tell me if someone wants to do a course, what would be your criteria? What would you tell yeah. them to, how could it, they go about looking for a course? Yeah, look, the, the fact of the matter is why, you know, ask yourself, why do you do a course? That's the first question, really. You do it because you want to enhance your skills. You want to enhance your abilities. You want to enhance your potential capacity on a certain procedure so that you can bring it back to your patients. Right. So the first thing to, you know, to realize is what, when you say enhance, what you're trying to do is go from A to B. Right. You, you have a goal you want to reach. So you've got to know where you are. That's the first thing most people don't actually make an active assessment of doing. They don't assess where they are because you need to know where you are and where you want to get to. The second thing is make it into small chunks. 
you know, where you are and where you want to get to, if it's a massive leap, it's not going to happen. You've got to break it down to the small steps I was telling you. Those small steps is where you then look at your patient cases and realize where you are, document your patient cases, photograph your patient cases, whatever, figure out where you are and find a course that will then help you take the next step. That's what you do with course selection. You see, because we are just inundated by influence. And I'm, I sometimes think, you know, people go, that was a great course. Yes. And someone else goes, I better go because I'm feeling like I'm missing out. And it's one way of doing things, one way I could do things. But I always say, don't be led to the course. Lead yourself to the right course. The second thing to look at is ask the course provider. Contact them. Ask them, what do they teach? How do they teach? What is the hands-on element? What is the discussion element? What is the theory element? What's the follow-up? Everything. Because in that basis, you will get the outcomes of, of your optimal way of learning, right? For example, I, I mean, one of the things I have is when I'm learning, I fall asleep when people are lecturing to me. And I, I don't mean fall asleep, but I genuinely have a very bad issue with focus, which is why I'm so good with online learning, because I'm, I'm watching a screen and nothing distracts me. And I do it at night times. So I will look for courses that may have a blended component to it for that reason. Some people may not. And then it's obviously understanding what's driving you, what's motivating you. Because when you're motivated, you're more engaged to learn. You're more connected. You're more powered up. And that's what you want to aim for. And if you do all of that, then the chances of you finding the right course that delivers the right outcomes for you is better. Then you've invested your money wisely. That's the first thing. Second thing is stop doing too many courses. Do the right courses. Do fewer courses. Apply the knowledge in practice. The second type of course you have is experience. There's no better course than experience. Go and experience the things. Make the mistakes. You learn better from them as well. Those are some of the tips I would uh, give people. Well, that that's that's amazing. And, uh, you know, certainly... Uh, I mean, I I make sure that no one can book my hands-on course without chatting with me because I need to make sure that the course is right for them. And uh, that's the same reason I have yeah. online elements. So people who come for hands-on course, they have completed my online course first before they come for hands-on course. And that uh -huh. saves me a lot of trouble from yeah. doing demonstration. And, you know, you just got jump straight into into helping them. Um, but yeah, I, I think one thing I will certainly change in my course is feedback system because it's so important to to get. Although I do informal feedback, if that makes sense, because my people who are in the course they are always with yeah. me. Um, but it would be good to have that kind of feedback system. Um, and lastly, Drew, um, this podcast is called the Ultimate Dentist, and I've alluded in my first episode that you know. No one is the ultimate dentist. We are we are going to we are aiming for that uh, kind of that position. But what is the definition in your mind of the ultimate dentist? When you think about the ultimate dentist, and someone says, "Can you define the ultimate dentist?" What would be? How would you define that? Do you know what I, I define the ultimate human as the person who is genuinely authentic in themselves and working towards a cause, right? And and what do I mean when I say genuinely authentic? Yeah. At one end, they're the kind of people who uh, actively express their honest selves. Then they're being them genuine selves. They're not being somebody else. They're not talking to you to, to, to please you. They're being themselves. And the second thing at the other end of the spectrum is they're using who they are as people to work towards a cause, to walk towards something that's bigger than themselves. To me, that's the ultimate dentist, person who behaves themselves, genuinely acts by themselves to work towards the better cause of a patient's care of the other good now in that equation it's nothing about the self it's nothing about uh look at how great i am not nothing about look at how amazing i am it's humility it's about how can i serve others for a greater good because they can serve others to me that's my definition of the ultimate dentist because when you're working for somebody else you can't let them down automatically you will be striving to that elusive mastery in your skill, in your knowledge, in your ability all day long. It'll never be enough because every time you think you've reached a goal, you realize you're still serving a cause for somebody. You've got to get even better, even better, even better. That's the ultimate dentist for me. Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you very much for spending uh, so long, so time and giving us so many golden nuggets. And I hope... Uh, 
everyone would uh, benefit from this conversation. So that was uh, Drew Shah. And, uh, you know, if you haven't visited uh, his uh, online platform, Dental Tubules, please be subscribe that. It is amazing. There are so many courses out there. And, you know, I'm uh, amazed uh, with the with the amount of content in there, uh, you won't have to look any other, uh, you know, uh, platform. But even if you don't, you're not after content, just to be in Drew Circle, uh, just join uh, Dentinal Tubules. So thank you very much, Drew. And, you know, uh, looking forward to having this conversation again uh, at some point. And uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, that's fine. And I was just going to say thank you. It's a great discussion. And I know we have these conversations all the time. Um, it's always fun. And it's, it's always more than education. It's about growing yourself as a person, professionally, personally, every level, because the better version of you tomorrow and a better version of you the day after makes you an awesome person. Thank you very much.